Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Hanging out on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. 404-726-0929. Odyssey app is how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316. He's at D.D. Lewis for real. This year, I look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So, Pro Football Focus has their all-breakout team uh, for this upcoming season. They got Kenny Pickett, the quarterback. They got Brian Robinson, Jr., the running back. Um, Christian Watson at one wide receiver. Kadarius Toney at the other wide receiver. Uh, tight end um, uh, Okonkwo. At the, for the Tennessee Titans. And then the other wide receiver position that they have is Drake London. Here's what they say about London. With all the praise and accolades going to the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Wilson, London was actually the first receiver off the board in 2022 when the Falcons made him the eighth overall pick. Despite a very heavy run system in Atlanta, London still put together a very strong rookie year, catching 72 passes for 866 yards, and four touchdowns to go along with an 85.3 receiver receiving grade. He saved his best uh, performance for last as his week 18 performance saw him catch six passes for 120 yards and an 87.7 offensive grade. London is expected to be the number one receiver in Atlanta with a lack of other receiving threats around him. Expect Desmond Ritter to go to him early and often in 2023. Well, the only thing I'll say about that, okay, um, London last year led the Falcons with 117 targets. And that was just about twice as many as Kyle Pitts and Olamide Zacchaeus. In fact, Pitts only finished third on the Falcons in targets. 61 for Zacchaeus, 59 for Kyle Pitts. London was at 117. So... And I talked about this on the show here recently. You know, I don't know that that number goes up. I I still think that they're going to be a run-first, run-heavy type of offense. Now, do I think that they will throw it a little bit more? Yes. 
I definitely think that they will throw it more, right? I mean, there were 400 targeted passes for Falcons pass catchers this past season. Do I think that they will throw it more? Probably. You know, when you look at the number of attempts, uh, attempts that um, Ritter and London, or sorry, uh, Ritter and Mariota had, um, it was 415 total attempts this past year. Do I think that number goes up? Yeah. I mean, teams threw it against them 561 times. I, I, and league average, I mean, they were certainly below league average when it came to that. So I do think that there'll be an increase. But when you factor the receptions and the targets for Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, maybe even Cordero Patterson, you know, Johnu Smith, you have to factor all of those guys in. And obviously, we think that Pitts is going to be healthy this year and not miss seven games. So that's going to take away from some of the you know, additional targets that London could have. So I think that if I if I was a betting man and I said over under 117 targets for Drake London, I'd probably take the under. Because I think when you factor Jonu Smith and Pitts and everybody else into that equation, I don't think they're going to throw it that drastically more. They're not going to be like Matt Ryan where he's throwing it six, 700 times in a season. They're not set up to do that. And that doesn't play into anything about their offensive strength. It's a run-first, run-heavy team. So I think his targets will be flat. Now, could he increase his catch percentage some? Absolutely. Absolutely. If he can get closer to that two-thirds mark, right, um, 61.5% last year for London. With a more accurate quarterback, there's no reason why that that shouldn't get up to, you know, 67%. Then we got something, okay? And if nothing else, 72 catches, 866 yards. I'll be okay with those kinds of numbers if you tell me we go to eight touchdowns. Seven to eight touchdowns. How about this? I'll go six to eight touchdowns. Tell me we go to six to eight touchdowns, and I'll be 72 for 866. But tell me we go to... Six to eight touchdowns. And we go up to 67% catching. If I get all that stuff, okay. Then then you can keep the targets flat. You can keep the receptions flat. The yards uh, per reception, you can keep that flat at 12. At least it's a first down every time he catches the football. I'll be okay with all that. I need to see his touchdown production go up and his catch percentage go up. I got no problem with the numbers. So I don't know how many more targets he's actually going to get. I don't know how many more targets are in his future for it. But, again, um, you know, and pro football, again, I, I always talk about pro football focus. They like, you know, they, they have their guys that they like, right? They like Drake London. They like Jesse Bates. They like Kyle Pitts. You know, and they're going to write favorably about those guys. Like, their their organization. And, and again, I, it's not a matter of, you know, they, they don't need to be written about positively, but you know, when, when you talk about a breakout year, I don't think he's going to have 150 targets. I don't think he's going to have 100 receptions. I don't think he's going to be 12 or 1,300 yards. I just don't see those kinds of numbers out of London with the way this offense is going to be set up to do. There's still going to be a run-heavy type of offense. And if that's the case, I think the 117 targets, because when you factor in everybody else that's going to get their targets to it, then I think that you have to factor that in and, and again, you have so many weapons on this team. 
Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts and obviously B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier are going to catch passes out of the backfield. Right? you got so many different guys that are on this team. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, is it Scotty Miller or who's the guy for the um, – uh, for the Buccaneers, uh, my brain went dead. It was Scott, uh, Scott something. So, um, but you know, again, you you you've only got one football to get around to everybody. Scott Miller, yeah, you've only got one football to throw around, and so there's a lot of guys that are going to be looking for targets. Just tell me that all the other numbers besides his catch percentage, as long as his catch percentage and touchdowns go up, I'm okay with all of that. But he's one of their breakout uh, candidates. Uh, the Falcons visited Fort Stewart on uh, Friday. Pretty cool. Uh, had a chance to uh, they had a chance to mix it up with some of the soldiers and stuff, and uh, uh, talk to some of those guys. So um, Chris Lindstrom was driving a tank, and uh, he talked about the idea of quote It's really impressive to see it up close, and then how the crew operates and the different roles that everybody has on the team, and then also just the technology behind it is pretty uh, remarkable. So uh, and obviously a lot of Falcons fans uh, there. Uh, so, um, you know, Dahlman and, uh, and Hen- and uh, Lindstrom, I should say, and several guys got a chance to go to Fort Stewart. I think there were 10 total Falcons past and present, um, that were there meeting soldiers and touring some of the, uh, base's newest, uh, equipment, uh, that was with the, uh, army officials, the, uh, third infantry division says that, uh, the army officials say the third infantry infantry division now contains the most modern brigade with new tanks and vehicles. So there you go. Uh, the College Football Hall of Fame ballot came out. And obviously there's a former Falcon quarterback that is on that ballot for the first time this year. Michael Vick is on the ballot. Now, Day-Day, let me ask you a question. Hmm? Would you vote Mike Vick into the College Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't know if I'd be... For, does it work the same way as NFL, like first time and all that kind of stuff? First, first time on the ballot, you you know. Well, he's, he's he's first time on the ballot this year. Okay, uh, yeah, I'd vote him in. I mean, he was electrifying. Like he 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 nationally he got he had national attention. So I, I'd say yeah. You know, I'm torn. Um, he was a dynamic player, and in that Florida State game in the national championship, I mean, yeah. he was a dynamic player. But it was also only a two-year play. That's what, and that was that's where my hesitancy was. Yeah. At. I was like, he only did two years, so yeah, because he came out after his redshirt redshirt yeah. sophomore season. He only did it for two years. I think I think he threw. I mean, literally, like, uh, I think it was less than three hundred passes. I think is what he threw for his career. I'm gonna look that up uh, out there. But um, so you know, again, it wasn't a it wasn't a big body of work um, when you look at it. Um, but certainly he was a dynamic playmaker, right? Certainly one of the most dynamic playmakers in college football. He um, he only threw 343 passes in his um, in his career. Big East Offensive Player of the Year in 1999. Um, obviously, you know, look, he made a first or second team. I was trying to see what what team that he made because you have to make you have to make you have to be a first or second team. Uh, All-American, no, sorry, first-team All-American to be on the uh, on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. So, um, but you know, it was it was two big years. You know, again, um, he didn't throw the ball very much. Um, he, he only ran for 600 yards each of the two seasons that he was there. 
2,065 passing yards his, his uh, freshman year. His sophomore year was 1,234 passing yards. In fact, eight touchdowns and six picks. So, again, the numbers the numbers don't say it, but his effect on the football field and, and how dynamic he was, and that's the thing about, you know, even in the NFL, obviously, you know, he got hurt and, you know, was knocked out at times, but certainly you can make a case. That, I mean, he's one of the more dynamic players in the NFL when he was in that league. You know, the run against Minnesota, you know, the the, the coming in against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, just all the things that he did. So, uh, certainly, I wouldn't have a problem with him. I'd, I'd have to relook at the ballot and see if there are guys that deserve to go in the College Football Hall of Fame first. You know, I, I think that there are certain certain players that, you know, need to be in. I, you know, for, for a long time, I mean, Rashawn Salam was not in the College Football Hall of Fame, even though he had a 2,000-yard season. I think he won the Heisman Trophy as well. So, um, you know, when you get to that level, you should probably be in the College Football Hall of Fame. But So I don't have a problem with Mike Vick being being in the Hall of Fame. Um, like I said, I haven't seen the whole ballot, and, and I will vote on it at some point, but I've not seen the whole ballot. And, you know, we'll see that, um, you know, if he, if he ends up getting in. Um, but the only thing about it, like I said, the two years, the, the two years, only 343 passes, 56% completion percentage, but obviously it doesn't tell the story of what Mike Vick was, right? Doesn't kind of tell the story about the type of player that he was. And obviously he played in an era where, you know, you didn't have quarterbacks that could do those kinds of things, right? You didn't always have quarterbacks who could do that combination of pass, run, and all that stuff. So, But he was dynamic. I mean, again, that Florida State game, you know, down, uh, what was that? Was that in the Sugar Bowl? It was the Sugar Bowl, was it not? Look that up uh, real quick. I think that was the uh, I think that was the Sugar Bowl. Let me see here if it was. Um, but let's see here. I'm trying to remember what. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. No, the Gator Bowl against Clemson. It was 99. Uh, yes, they lost the Sugar Bowl. Yes. 46-29 to Florida State. So average, they averaged. They averaged 40.3 points per game. They were the number one scoring offense in the country that year. And, and they were, by the way, they were fifth in the country in scoring defense. They averaged 40.3 points per game and only gave up 13.5 per game. That's getting busy. That's getting some work done. That's why they were 11-1 and one and finished fourth. Uh, they were second in the final AP poll because that was the national championship game for the Sugar Bowl. But... Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with him being in, but it's just not the same body of work that a lot of other guys have over the course of their career. And it wasn't a Heisman Trophy win or anything like that where he should automatically get into the College Football Hall of Fame. But uh, I would not have a problem putting Michael Vick in there. All right, when we come back, Felipe Cardenas going to talk some Atlanta United with us. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. 
Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Monday evening as Atlanta United took care of business on Saturday night. I was actually at the match watching uh, all of the action. A lot of good scoring uh, happening and uh, a good victory for Atlanta United over D.C. United. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Felipe Cardenas. He is the soccer writer for The Athletic. Theathletic.com is where you can check out all of his work, and he is on Twitter at Felipe Carr. Felipe, as always, man, appreciate uh, the time. As uh, That was a good victory. I was in the building. Uh, that's probably why they won, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I had the magic touch. You're going to have to start going more often, I think, uh, to, to keep the, the bends from, from becoming uh, a place where visitors can get points. And, and I think that's, that was a concern going into this game. You know, D.C. United is is an interesting story on their own you know they're coached by manchester united legend wayne rooney and and they've improved i think they've surprised a lot of people this year and so they've been dangerous at times in transition they have a big time goal scorer in benteke the former premier league striker uh and and i think you saw on the first opening go you know even though atlanta took the lead when when dc united goalkeeper Tyler Miller just, you know, completely fumbled that situation, comes off his line and, and, and misjudges it, and there's Yakimakis to take care of it. You know, D.C. United comes back into the game right away, and I think that was the concern, and, and that continues to be a concern for Atlanta United fans. But, John, to your point, uh, it, it turns out to be a big three points for Atlanta United. They really needed that, I think. You know, I think it's easy to say that, uh, but the inconsistently, inconsistency, I'm sorry, still still lingers on this team. And getting a 3-1 victory and playing well, you know, pretty much for, for 65 minutes, I think is something that the team can take away and really build on. So I, I want to ask you uh, about that where on the Yakamaki's goal, where the goaltender came out so far. It And look, I, I don't pretend to know all the strategy of soccer, but it seems like that kind of play – 
you better be 100% sure you can get to the ball if you're going to come out that far and, and go outside the box. And it just felt like that was a real mental error. And, look, give Yakimaki's credit all the world. I mean, just that was a, a, a heck of a goal and, and a heck of a kick to find its way in there. But it really felt like that the goaltender just made a real mental error on that play because, again, he just he got himself out in a no-man's land and just was not able to get to it. Yeah, Tyler Miller, has, the goalkeeper for D.C. United, has a tendency to do that, to come off his line and play like what they call a sweeper-keeper. You know, the sweeper is ten, it tends to be that last line of defense, uh, not always obviously the goalkeeper, but he's the guy that's cleaning up at back there. And it, it is a bit of a risk. It allows um, your defensive line to get for, a little bit more forward, and it does put that onus on the goalkeeper to clean things up. And what's interesting about that play is that just a week prior, my colleague at the Athletic, Pablo Mauer, who's based in D.C., wrote a story about the goalkeeper and, and highlighted stats and some and some interesting data that shows that he does have this tendency to come off his line and, and, and the way it has pushed the DC United forward, but the risks involved. And Wayne Rooney in that interview with Pablo Mauer said, essentially I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna pay for it soon. He might get chipped. And he didn't get chipped this time, to your point, John, he just completely misread the play. And what I think what's interesting and what's really great about that type of situation, you look like it looks like it's something that Tyler Miller, the goalkeeper, just he made a mistake, but after the game, uh um Yorgos Yakimaki said that they had scouted the goalkeeper. They knew he he was liable, you know, to do something like that. I think I think Yakimaki and the Atlanta staff simply read the Athletic and, and got all their information <laughs> there. Uh, but nonetheless, you know that that was really the reality coming and slapping DC United in the face. You know, um, it, it felt like that game as it went along got a little chippy too. I mean, we saw right. you know the. You know, Chicago goaltender get into a little bit of a pushing match. And, you know, guys were kind of getting chippy. I mean, I, you know, again, I, at, at times I thought the refs kind of maybe allowed a little bit too much to go on. But but it did feel like that game got – that game started getting a little bit a little bit chippy between those two teams. Yeah, and I wouldn't say there's a history. I think any time – well, I'll, 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 I'll correct myself there. You know, D.C. United and Atlanta aren't a rival. Right, it's not like it's there's this history there, but every game has been close, and for a long time, even during the best years of Atlanta United, DC United always got the better of Atlanta, and so even under Tata Martino with all those great teams and all those great players, DC United was just that thorn in the side, and and perhaps that's still felt when these teams come together. But I think another way to look at it is that, and it's what I mentioned at the top of the show, is that I think teams still believe that they can get something out of Atlanta United, even at the at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I think, and this is just my doing my own research and watching games and, and, and writing about the, the league and talking to people at the league, is that Atlanta United does, they are susceptible. Even though they have strong talent and they can really attack you when they're, when they're humming and they can get goals quickly, when they're not on, they can concede. And Mercedes-Benz is still one of the best environments in Major League Soccer, uh, but it, it has over the last two years become a place where Atlanta United is dropping a lot of points. And so to, for, for the home team in this situation to defend their turf, as they say, and, and not let the visitors get under their skin and try to just shake their momentum, you take, you take what you will. You, you, I think you walk away from that as, as a player for Atlanta and as a fan for Atlanta United and say, okay, like we, we, we finally showed – 
you know, the stomach, the steel to defend a lead. And, and that's been a problem is defending leads. And so uh, a 3-1 victory over D.C. United, and to your point, John, it got physical. And sometimes that just happens when a team gets frustrated. And this time, Atlanta United kept the cool head. And they have two players, Yakamakis and Andrew Gutman, on this week's MLS starting best 11. Felipe Cardenas joining me here on the WadeFord.com Hotline Soccer Writer for The Athletic. So what kind of grade or evaluation would you give Atlanta United as we're just a little bit past the halfway point of the season? How do you think this season has gone so far overall from a 35,000-point view of Atlanta United? Wow, interesting question. You know, I would be I would I think I'd put them in in maybe like a B minus uh because you know I was on your show before and we talked about you know what the way that the the the, the season started they were so mm-hmm. good at home to start yep uh it really gave them a lot of points to, that that allowed them to bank those points and stay at the top of the Eastern Conference for some time and they just completely fell off they got really inconsistent but they were the, the, those points that they earned at the beginning gave them a lot of, I think, a room for, for that cushion, so, so that when mistakes were made and, and losing streaks occurred, they've never been out of the the playoff contention. They've never they're, they're still hovering in that top five in the Eastern Conference. They're clearly in contention to host a playoff game, and, and so. Uh, I'm, I'm debating whether this is a C plus or a B minus, but certainly they're at a point where they can only improve from here. Anything that that dropped them out of playoff contention would be just catastrophic. And I don't see that happening this season. So um, talk to me a little bit about Tiago Almada, because that pass that he made to Gutman on that goal was a thing of beauty. And we know how good of a goal score he is, but, when you talk about his overall ability as a player, you know, is that one of the underrated things about him? Does he do that very often? I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, not just the goal scoring aspect of Almada, but all the other things that he does. Yeah, that was a great pass. I mean, I actually don't, I don't know if it's underrated or underappreciated, but I think it's one of his best assets is just that, that the vision that he has, uh, and having that clear vision at, at a high pace, um, you know, he really did thread the needle there, and he did it in a, in a way that uh, using the so the outside of his foot, sort of pushing the ball in between two defenders, not like your your prototypical classic inside the foot pass. It was a it was a play that he developed on his own, and just the way that he was facing, the way he was running, the way where the ball was positioned off his foot that was the best way to get it to Gutman, And it was really just threading the needle there. And I think Tiago Mata, you know, some of the things that I do believe are underrated from his game are his ability to keep the ball, his ability to turn in, in, in complicated parts of the field. He can turn off on, on defenders that are up close against, up tight on him and really burst out of the dribble. Uh, th- that ability to stay strong and really shield the ball from big defenders despite his his size, I think that's his his most underappreciated value. But his vision and just being a playmaker, being that number 10 around the box and being dangerous like he was there, he, he didn't get the goal, but he got the assist. That, to me, is what they paid the money for, to be there, to be around the box, to be creating uh, and allowing someone like Andrew Gutman, who's, who's always flying forward at, at that left fullback position, getting him the ball in, in, in very dangerous spots. And so it, that to me was, was what, it, when Tiago Mata isn't scoring, 
that's what he should be doing, uh, and that's why he's so dangerous. That's why he's a player that opposing teams, if you take your eye off of him or if you think you can just shut him down uh, perhaps in midfield or, or sort of kick him a little bit to see if he can handle handle the physicality, you know, he's going to find the ball, and he, he loves to be playing around the opponent's box, and that was a great example. Felipe, um, you know, they get a little bit of time off here as they get ready for a Wednesday match coming up, I think, uh, what, the 21st, uh, I believe. But they got the two New York teams that they uh, that they match up against. And, you know, look, I mean, it's been kind of a mixed bag against New York, but this really feels like an opportunity to capitalize on what they did against, you know, D.C. United where these are not two really good teams and, you know, you have to – find a way to get some points out of all this. I thought the LAFC, that was a good, you know, draw. I thought, you know, obviously Saturday night was a good win. But now you got to build on that. And it feels like that if they can just get on a little bit of a run here, that they can, you know, find their way up the standings. And they're facing some teams that maybe aren't so good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with the, the New York teams because NYCFC is a team that has never been afraid or intimidated by Mercedes-Benz Stadium with mm-hmm. the, their previous coaches that they've had uh they've always come in and been one of those teams that has really played like man to man and and just sort of gone out of line united they always they do feel like they have the talent to do that uh it's not as strong a team but it's still nycfc nycfc still has some some tricky uh, attacking players uh they're not a bad team they've just been really inconsistent and and this is a team that gives that line of trouble often uh, whether they're playing at the Benz or playing at Yankee Stadium so these next two games against the two New York teams you mentioned the Red Bulls as well you know that is a bit of a rivalry in my opinion that's like an organic rivalry that the Red Bulls and Atlanta United have never uh, been friends and every game is is completely just unpredictable and so to your point, John, again, I think this is these this that next week after the international break, and you're going to have players coming back from international duty. Thiago Mata is with is with Atlanta. Uh, Miles Robinson is with the United States. Several other players are representing their countries. You know, they're not on vacation. Uh, some of the top top players for Atlanta are going to come in and have to get right back into it in two games that I think will will prove whether the team has has really gone beyond the inconsistency that they continue to show. Uh, week in and week out, and 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 these are two, these are two tricky games in my opinion. And the Red Bulls, even though they're they they fired their coach, they were at one point bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference. They're still around, hovering around that area. Uh, that again, that's a team that when they face Atlanta United, they just think that they can win. And so this is going to test the mentality of Atlanta United and the progress under Gonzalo Pineda, uh, the week to week progress really, because I think the challenge for Gonzalo Pineda, the head coach and the staff. Uh, is getting this team to play well every time they go out and play. And that, that's been a big issue for, for Pineda since he's been here. Last question for you, Felipe. What does Messi mean coming to MLS? What does that mean for the, the status of the league as a whole? I, I, I almost thought I was going to go, go through an interview, John, without getting asked about Lionel <laughs> Messi. But there you go. There you go. It's been two weeks of just absolute fire for all of us here covering the sport. It's great. You know, it's, it's, I, still, I still can't believe it, honestly, because I always had my doubts with, with whether this would get done and, and, and when he would come to MLS. I think the, the, the link to Inter-Miami has always been there. The link to the city of Miami has always been there. In fact, I'll be filing a story here, a big story. I was just in Miami for three days on the ground reporting about the impact of Lionel Messi in the city 
and in Major League Soccer. So look out for that. But to, you know, to answer your question, it's 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 massive. You know, I think w- w- we have to wait and see. You know what his legacy is in this in this league, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I never thought Lionel Messi would have a legacy in MLS. Uh, but but that's what we're going to be debating, you know, in, in a few years here. And and in the meantime, I think you can see that there there is a frenzy bubbling with with his arrival, and and the city of Miami, I think, is going to get a, a nice taste of what it's like to have truly an international star. There's a lot of celebrities in, that, in, in, in Miami, but I don't think anyone like Lionel Messi. And, and the club in Miami is going to be tested. MLS as a league is going to be tested as far as how they promote the league, how they take advantage of this. But certainly, John, I think it, it, it lends a lot of credibility to the growth of MLS. You know, it has a lot of, has a lot of problems, Major League Soccer, and a lot of critiques about, whether the roster rules are working or not, but they landed Lionel Messi and, and, and inner Miami, Apple, Adidas, MLS, they all came together to make it happen. And I think it can only be celebrated if I'm being honest. Felipe, uh, always appreciate the time. You can check out his work at theathletic.com. You can follow him on his Twitter page at Felipe Carr. And he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Felipe as always, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes here tonight on the show. We'll talk again soon. Anytime, John. Take care. You got it. John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios Monday night with you. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, apps how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 the game at JMCH316 at DD Lewis for real. Uh good at it. What what did we say, Day Day? Bounce back game for Charlie Morton. Yeah. Five and two thirds, four hits, no runs, three walks, eight strikeouts, and obviously no home runs given up. Um eight of his seventeen outs came via strikeout. So just about half of his outs came from striking guys out. So good all the way around. Uh, you know, we talked about in the very first segment. This should be a bounce back game for Charlie Morton. Because his last four had not been all that good. This is supposed to be a bounce-back game. Uh, the Tigers are completely outclassed and outmanned. Um, no homers for the Braves in this game, but they do have a 4 nothing lead. So, um, Ronnie's – or, sorry, um, Olsen has the uh, three RBIs. No, sorry. Ronnie has the three RBI. Olsen has a couple of hits. Ozuna has scored a run in the game. Uh, a couple of hits for Michael Harris. Couple or sorry, a hit for um, what's his name? Uh, Arcia. Couldn't think of his name. Uh, so the bottom of the order: seven, eight, nine. Let's see, three, four, seven. Three for seven with three runs, 
uh, from the bottom of the order and an RBI. Three for seven with three runs scored and an RBI. We always talk about the bottom of that order. They're getting it done. Can I tell you, can I ask, uh, I mean, we might save this for a segment at some point, but why would Arcia not be an all-star? Yeah, that, I mean. Is that a no-brainer? Yeah. Now, look, I get the idea of him not starting because it's a popularity contest, and that's for the fans. So when you talk about Dansby or Tatis or Trey Turner, right, I mean, I got no problem with those guys starting in the All-Star game because it's all about popularity, and it's a fan vote. So I get that. I got no problem with that. But, however, you got to have you got to have him on the team, right? Like he's got to be on the All-Star team. He's he's by the way, he's 10th in defensive war in the National League. And that's every position. 10th in defensive war. He's also I think I think he also has the Highest batting average for a shortstop in the National League. He's been outstanding this year. He's he's a very clutch player. Why would he not be on the All-Star team? Now, there are plenty of Braves to go around, right? I mean, Ronnie should be on the All-Star team. Matt Olson should be on the All-Star team. But why would Arcia not be on the All-Star team? You're going to have to explain that one to me. If he doesn't make it, see, again, I don't mind him not starting. I, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. But... You have to find a spot for Orlando Arcia on the All-Star team this year. He's been too good of a player. And I know the 20 games that he missed, that's going to be one of the things that hurts him, right? The 20 missed games. But when he has played, he's been very productive for this team. So I I would expect him to be on the All-Star squad. Um, and obviously, we didn't have that on our bingo card at the beginning of the year. But he's had an outstanding year. I don't care what his second half looks like. He's been money in the first half of the year. Been nothing but money for this team. As the Braves look to go 41-25, and 25, now up 4 nothing here in this game. Um, they could be 21-10 and 10 on the road. Think about that, 21-10 and 10 on the road. Whew. That's getting some work done, right? Because at that point, you would be uh, not quite halfway done with your road schedule. So, again, we're talking about a team that's looking at winning even 70 games on the road at this rate. I mean, you know, it's just just crazy to think about, you know, how many how many road wins that they could pile up when all is said and done. So, anyway, we'll keep you up to date all night long about what's going on with the Braves as um, obviously they are taking on the uh, Detroit Tigers, not one of the better teams in uh, Major League Baseball. So, all right, let's get to a what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So this story comes from, um, what what's her name? Stefania Bell? I know she's like one of the, um, like, fantasy reporters and all that for ESPN. But it's got here... A group of prominent medical organizations say it's growing concerned about what they consider to be a threat to medical care for top-level athletes, increasing liability risks for doctors 
as salaries for those athletes rise. So the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine, AOSSM, along with 27 co-signers, distributed an open letter recently saying that recent and ongoing litigation may have enormous negative impact on the medical care and competitive of competitive and elite athletes. Now, they say that this is on the heels of a um, legal case that was won by former NFL player Chris uh, Maragos. He was awarded $43.5 million by Philadelphia jury after accusing his surgeon and that group that oversaw his rehabilitation of malpractice for their decisions related to a meniscal tear. He contended in court that the case cost him at least $8.7 million in future NFL earnings, but was awarded five times that amount of money. Dr. Mark Miller, the AOSSM president, told ESPN, the reason for the timing of the statement is simple. If not now, when? We all want to raise public awareness that this issue affects the care of all people we take care of. Our ability to serve all of our patients from the playground to the professional level is at risk. No. What's at risk is get the crap right from the start. You know, again, how else do you hold people accountable? And I understand that you're dealing with high-level athletes, but you have to be more cautious. And you have to be willing to tell them what they don't want to hear. You have to be willing to be open and honest with them about all the things that may not be good for them, but it's what the truth is. And I know that these guys think they're invincible. Guys and girls think they're invincible and they can play forever. But you have to have some realistic expectations, even if you have to crush their dreams. But get the stuff right. You know why? You know why they're coming after you? Because you're not getting it right. Again, if everything goes to plan and everything works out good, you, they're not going to sue you for it. That's not why they're coming after you, because you did too good of a job. It's because you either wasn't honest with them up front or set realistic expectations or failed to do what was necessary. <sighs> they say as salaries have risen for professional athletes and as college athletes and even some high school athletes have secured big money name, image, and likeness deals, the liability for future earnings has increased significantly. Yeah. Well, of course. That's why you got to be open and honest with them. That's why you have to tell them what the truth is. That's why you have to tell them the things that they don't want to hear. Not some fluff piece. This is not hard. Get it right. Get it right. Tell them the truth, even if they don't like it. And then if you do go in front of a jury, then you're protected. If you're open and honest and do the right thing, guess what? A jury's not going to just arbitrarily go against you because they just want to get the doctor. Um, Dr. Scott Rodeo, the head team physician for the New York Giants, told ESPN potential liability concerns may have may impact the availability of qualified sports medicine. Well, great. So if that's the case, now we're going to get worse care. Now the care is going to get worse. 
Now they're still now they're not now they're really not going to be able to do their job. Oh yeah yeah. Recent cases may be the tip of the iceberg, and some physicians may decide the visibility associated with caring for athletes may not be worth the liability risk anymore. Then get it right. Because these guys have tens of millions of dollars at stake. And if you don't get it right or set realistic expectations, what do you think an athlete's going to do? Just sit by and say, well, you know, I could have had $20 million more million, but, you know, this guy's a nice guy. He's a good dude. He, he washed my car last week. He's a good dude. No. They're looking at future earnings and saying, you know, okay, I've got to earn this. And, again, you may have to crush somebody's room. You may have to step on their neck and break it in half. Crush their larynx for it. If that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But be honest about it. It's like everybody's like that. Remember remember in the movie um, Any Given Sunday? James Wood's character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he can just shoot up and he'll be good. No. No, tell him, you know, Matthew Modine, tell him about the MRI. Tell him about, you know, the risk. And I'll guarantee guarantee you some of that goes on in the NFL. Guarantee you. And by the way, you know the biggest thing you have to do? Protect athletes from themselves. You have to protect athletes from themselves. Because they think they're invincible, and it's just an injury, and it's not going to be a big deal. And sometimes you've got to step on their larynx and crush it like it's a saltine cracker. If that's what you got to do, the pain, the high priest of the Church of the Painful Truth, then do it and make sure you're proper in the way you do the work. Make sure you don't screw it up. This is this hard? I mean, is this again? But everybody's CYA, right? Everything yeah. is CYA. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm not. I just wonder too, like, how much of this is um, partly on some of the team. Sure. I, again. You know what I mean? Right. I, again, I don't. I don't necessarily blame 100 percent on the doctors. I, I'm sure the team pressures doctors and stuff into some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's why, again, if you're the doctor, I'm not putting my reputation at risk for all of this. Quote, uh, this is from uh, Dr. Robin West. Gross, quote, it may lead to young physicians opting to choose a different path entirely because the liability and the risk in sports medicine aren't worth it. Well, let me tell you, if there's gazillions of dollars to be made, you know, again, Dr. James Andrews, you think he's looking for his next meal? Oh, not at all. Yeah. Think, think he's and by the way, how many botched things have we heard from Dr. James Andrews, the guy who invented Tommy John surgery? How many botched how many botched surgeries? Do you ever hear about Dr. James Andrews struggling to, you know, face the liability because he screwed up an athlete, or set realistic expectations or what have you? How come we don't hear about Dr. James Andrews, who's literally probably what? the leading orthopedic surgeon in the entire United States. Nobody no, nobody, nobody has given more high-profile cases than what he has. It's crazy. Do your job, set the expectations, make sure the team understands what the risks and everything are, and go from there. 
Don't be Dr. Don't be a James Woods. Be Matthew Modine in all of this. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, we'll get you involved again in the show, 404-726-0929. There was a lot of rumors flying around on yesterday about DeJounte Murray and could he be moved if the right deal comes along. Well, duh. Chuck Rinnakia Studios, Sports Radio, after the game, Odyssey.com map. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.